Good morning, and welcome to this edition of Advice Worth Keeping, KPMG's podcast series where we interview firm executives and thought leaders, as well as third-party industry luminaries and experts on important global business trends, topics, and leading practices. My name is Stan LaPique, and I lead global research for KPMG's Management Consulting Services Group. Joining us today on Advice Worth Keeping is Don Ryan. Don is a director in the U.S. firm and he leads market research and thought leadership for the Global Shared Services and Outsourcing Advisory Center of Excellence. So thanks for joining us here today on Advice Worth Keeping. What we'd like to talk today about is really measuring the value of global business services maturity. So Don heads up the research initiative that we've been doing for several years now, focused on helping organizations understand how mature either their GBS efforts. And maturity takes multiple dimensions. It's related to governance. It's related to running to the GBS operation as a business. It's related to the integration and information technology to support the GBS effort. And we have a pretty clear program relative to measuring that maturity. Don has worked with literally hundreds of clients to help them understand their maturity with their GBS efforts. But the question we often get is, what's in it from a financial standpoint? So Don and his team have done a lot of work recently looking at the financial benefits of being more mature. So what we'd like to talk about today is what are some of the metrics that we look at to measure this maturity and where are organizations having success in driving that maturity and getting benefit from it, and where are some of the areas that need to focus. Maybe to start out with, Don, from a financial perspective, how do we measure the value of being more mature? In GBS maturity, we think drives a number of best practices and delivery outcomes, things like better customer experience, both internal and external customers. There's benefits from a global service delivery perspective, from an end-to-end process, excellence, as well as from a consistent delivery model. I think, importantly, driving transparent, optimized, and predictable costs. And if we look more at the hardcore financial metrics and savings, we've identified through the research that we've done some significant benefits to SG&A when companies implement global business services on a scaled basis. So doing it globally and doing it across multiple functions from an end-to-end process perspective. We've been doing the research that you described for the last couple of years, and we've done surveys and have gotten very deep insight from over 200 companies worldwide. And what we've been able to do is correlate the SG&A growth savings as it relates to companies that are most mature. So for those companies from this population, that have higher levels of GBS maturity. And again, that would be designated and determined by their end-to-end process, how strong is their governance, what is the scope of their service delivery network, what's the scope of their global operations. So companies that do all of those things at a more mature level and at a higher level find a 2% savings in their SG&A growth rate. So what that means for a company that is $10 billion, as an example, that would mean that a company could save roughly $200 million a year by having a more scaled and mature GBS operation. And again, this is based on research with over 200 companies where we correlate SG&A savings to maturity and scale. We think this is very significant. The other important 
piece of this is that there's also a correlation to SG&A savings based on functions. So for those companies that have more functions within GBS, and typically the breakpoint is four to five functions, they experience a 1% decrease in SG&A. So this kind of combination of functional scope and GBS maturity, we think can drive anywhere from a 2 to 3% SG&A savings, which again correlates to $300 million for a $10 billion company. Don, your team has done this analysis led by you, but do you see typically that of the 200-plus firms that you've worked with that they're doing this analysis themselves? Because I know we've talked about in the past that many organizations over time have a, a little bit of a challenge of rationalizing GBS organization. They've taken some money out. They've done some obvious cost savings activities. But when it comes to continuing to invest in the GBS organization to drive higher levels of maturity, sometimes there's a challenge to rationalize that additional investment. And as you know, from working with our various consortiums, there's a fair amount of turnover with the heads of GBS. Are firms really doing this analysis themselves to show the value that GBS is doing? Or is it more that you've done it, but firms aren't picking up on this in their own individual circumstances? This is information that companies typically share. It's built into their financials. I think the larger, more mature organizations do try to look at these savings. A lot of times it's measured more in headcount reduction you can kind of look at the cost to operations. So there's kind of a pro forma analysis one could do where you look at headcount and the costs associated with that before you implement these organizations and then kind of see what happens afterwards. Part of the problem with doing that analysis is many of these organizations have been in place five to seven years and the benefits are incremental. So you don't one day flip a switch and go from having 2,000 people doing these functions to a 1,000, and where you can kind of delineate those big buckets of savings. We find a lot of companies really have been at this, implementing GBS since the 2010-2011 timeframe, and they're reaping these incremental savings every year. But at some point, I think these become identifiable. What companies, what we find they focus a little bit more on than SG&A savings is cash flow, especially when you begin to implement procure-to-pay order to cash processes. And these are measures that companies do track on a quarter by quarter basis. And we found some of our more sophisticated clients can make the correlation to cash flow savings back to their GBS organizations, especially as it relates to sourcing and procurement efficiencies. Just one interesting thing, Stan, about a year ago, Barron's published an article about Novartis. They have a a larger, more sophisticated, more mature GBS organization. And I think Barron's got this information from Novartis to answer your question to companies track this. And it was documented in the article that Novartis has saved roughly $600 million, and they attribute that to their shared services organization and the efficiencies they've gained in backorder processing, especially as it relates to sourcing and procurement and bulk buying. So for Novartis, they're about a $40 billion company. This is significant. It's more in the range of 2 to 3% of savings due to their GBS organization. And again, this is kind of documented by Wall Street. 
So those are certainly huge numbers and certainly something organizations should pursue. Relative to the different levers that organizations have, I know you have a 10-dimension wheel in terms right. of the different elements of the global business services organization. You've mentioned the obvious benefit of reducing headcount as a lever to achieve benefits, but if you look at the other elements of the wheel, the other nine elements of a global business service organization, do you find that there are certain ones that from a financial standpoint, drive more value? Is it the process ownership? Is it the technology integration? Or is it more of a situation where you really need to look at it holistically and look at maximizing efficiency across all of the dimensions of GBS? We think all of these are important, and they all contribute their own specific take on savings and improvement. But what we found when we correlate maturity to benefit to savings there's a few that really do stand out. So companies that drive greater savings and also have higher maturity really focus around three things. One is process excellence. So this builds a foundation for scale, and it also provides a foundation to kind of drive additional savings through the use of digital technologies and digital labor. So companies that do very well overall from a maturity standpoint and likewise reap greater financial savings, really focus on process and have high levels of process maturity. The other key differentiator is around talent. We think of talent as kind of a given, but those companies that have high overall levels of maturity focus much more on talent than everybody else does that operates moderate or lower levels of maturities. We see process and talent as really two key differentiators. Third would be data and analytics. And this is more of a value enhancer where a focus around this allows GBS organizations to begin to offer new types of value-added services or add value to their existing F&A functions and F&A processes as well as HR and procurement. So those are three things that we think are differentiators of those companies that operate at high levels of maturity and likewise higher and disproportionate amounts of savings and value. Don, last question, and you just mentioned digital labor. What digital labor going to do to a global business services organization? So for a firm that has extensive onshore or offshore shared services operations, might be using a lot of onshore or offshore outsourcing, is digital labor really going to blow this up and the work comes back in and that's really going to change the dynamics of how you measure the value and what are the benefits, or is it going to be more incremental? So maybe to wrap up, what's your take on digital labor's impact on global business services overall, but also how that will impact the financial metrics that we use to measure the success of GBS yeah. operations. GBS organizations who focus on end-to-end -end process delivery, cross-functional delivery, and let's say effective sourcing strategies using a mix of captive, offshore, as well as outsourcing through third parties, that has effectively reduced headcount over the last five to 10 years in these large organizations. We think that digital labor will operate in some of the same ways, but instead of it being people-driven, improving people processes, it'll be much more of a technology overlay where you'll be substituting technology for people to improve these already established processes. That's one aspect. The other is we think that the savings that GBS has driven in the past historically 
digital labor may accelerate the level of those savings going forward. So things may take place at a more rapid pace than they would be if it was just people-oriented improvement. The other piece of this is through the use of digital labor by outsourcers that provide services to companies, they may be able to reduce their cost of delivery by deploying digital labor for outsourced services. So that's another incremental benefit that we see. And then the third, kind of interestingly, is around adding value. So if digital labor can, let's say, take the place of more transactionally-based service delivery, where we have people doing that today, kind of lower-level lower transactional activities, the substitution of digital labor for staff doing transactional work, either offshore or onshore, may allow these organizations to substitute that for more value-added work, again, either onshore or offshore. This would allow companies to do more value-added type work, which, again, we think can drive additional savings through, let's say, greater data and analytics usage, through better predictive analysis, through diagnostic work. And, And it also, we think, will help the top line, too, in driving greater customer intimacy, greater customer satisfaction, and overall value delivery, both to internal and external stakeholders. Digital labor, we think, has the benefit of cutting costs across a range of different activities, but also potentially shifting the purpose of GBS organizations to drive more value in their service delivery. And I think that additional value add is going to be very critical for these organizations going forward because, as as you've noted, there's diminishing returns on cost reduction, but ultimately the biggest value add is improving process performance and doing other more strategic things that can help the company as a whole, particularly with the customer-facing activities. So, Don, well, thanks for your time. And for our listeners, if you're interested in this, there's an associated presentation with this podcast. But if your organization would like to get involved with the GBS maturity program that Don runs, certainly reach out to us and we'll get you in line for that. I think Don's certainly clarified that this isn't just about saving money. It's about adding value to the organization. So, Don, thanks for your time today. And you can find the links to the items we referenced in the show today below the podcast. If you're online, of course, the URL for that is kpmg.com slash us slash podcast. That's a wrap. Thanks for your participation.